WWJD. Now, many of us here, we probably had the bracelet, we had the t-shirt, you know, back in the day, and it wasn't, it wasn't what would Joel do, right? Wasn't what would John do, but it was what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So this morning, I want to start with a question. And if you were to think of the top three, four board games, what would, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Monopoly, that's number three. Yep. So the, the number one chess, the number one game, chess, in the world, ever most popular, is chess. Yeah, that's still on Monopoly. How about that? Aye. Chess, number one board game. You know, it was invented over 1,500 years ago. It's been around for a while. It was invented actually in India. Second most popular board game, checkers. That was invented in French. It was in France. The guy it was a Frenchman who invented it in the 12th century. Third most popular board game is Monopoly. I know, it's not working. Um, thank you for that. Joel. Third most popular board game, Monopoly. It was actually originally called the Landlord Game, and an American woman invented it in 1903 to teach people the difference between renting and buying, right? How many of us have learned it's much better to own than just to rent, right? And so that's why Monopoly was invented, 1903, by an American woman. You know, the number fourth most popular game, Scrabble. First called Chris Crosswords in the United States, 1938. Fifth most popular game, Backgammon. How many of us remember that game? This game was invented, three, it's 3,000 years old, and it was invented in Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Trivial Pursuit, invented in Canada, 1981. Entertainment, sports, arts, science, nature questions. Seventh most popular game, Clue, invented in England, 1949. This was one of the first games to sell more than a billion dollars. Eighth most popular game, Life, the game of life. How many of us have ever played the game of life? Invented in 1860, United States by Milton Bradley. Ninth most popular game was Risk, invented in France, 1957, on war and strategy. And last, running my top 10 is Pictionary, right? Canada, 1985. Now, we're talking about games, talking about board games. I want to talk about card games for a second. Most popular card games, most of us in here would guess, would be solitaire, poker, hearts, gin rummy, blackjack, spades, right? Now, I bring, up, I bring up these games because how many of us as kids played at least a board game? How many of us at least played a card game? Now, I'm not asking where you played the card game. I'm just asking if you played a card game, right? So how many of us, we, you know, and this was, depends your age, because if you're too old, board games and card games were of the devil. But if you're not too old, like Joel or myself, right, then it was okay to play board games, card games. It's what we did as kids, right? This was before cell phones. This was before, you know, Nintendo and Atari even came out, right, if you know what those are. This was before, back in the day, when, when family sometimes, you know, when use that word, bored. Sometimes you break out a board game, and you play a board game, and you play a card game. But you know what board games did, and you know what card games did? How many of us, it taught us how to play, 
And see, many of us, we've carried little things that we did as a kid, kind of like playing games, into being adults. And so many of us as adults, you know what we still do today? We still play games. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 13, starting in, in verse 5. And the words will be on the screen here in a second. My iPad had to restart. John 13, starting in verse 1, sorry. It says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and how he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. Many, many of us favorite time. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that the hour had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he began to pour water into the basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord... Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, 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 Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Verse 9. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has taken a bath all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, they need to be entirely clean. And you, disciples, are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knows who, who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down, and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And so this morning as we start to break down this scripture and paint the, the picture on a canvas, it says that Jesus' time, it was, it was time for him to go. How many of us as parents, you know, hiring your first babysitter as a parent had very specific instructions for the babysitter? Be nice to my kids, smack them, I'm going to smack you, make sure they don't watch TV, right? How many of us, when you had a babysitter, you had instructions because our kids, they're precious little jewels and treasures most of the time. And so you had specific instructions. How many of us have ever had a loved one who passed and before they passed, they had some very hard or heartfelt things to say. There was things that were heavy on their heart. Or if you've ever gone on a trip, and before you went on a trip, how many of us, we said certain things because we just didn't know, sometimes you just don't know if you're going to make it, right? Jesus, it says as we start the scripture, he knew it was his time to go. And so as you look at John and you look at John chapter 13, when you know it's your time to go, when you know you're getting ready to die, there are some very important things that you want to describe. There are some very important things, things that matter to you, things that are most important. 
Jesus begins this in chapter 13 through 17, and he starts to describe things that are very, very, very important. He knew he was going to go, and so he had to do something very important. Jesus said, as he's sitting with his boys, he brings up Judas. You know what's crazy about Judas? We all wonder this, right? Why did there have to be one? Judas was a man who, whether he didn't get it, whether he didn't want to get it, he saw the same miracles everyone else did. He felt the same love that the other ones felt. He got to eat the same bread and fish. He got to eat the carne asada and the prime rib just like everybody else did. He got to see the blessings. He got to see the miracles. Judas saw everything from start to finish. Three and a half years with Jesus. But no matter what he saw in Jesus, you know what? He chose to ignore because he was so stuck on money. Judas was so driven by money that you know what money did to him? It caused him to not hear from Jesus. Money. And how many of us, we can look around the world, right? How many of us, and even us here, have been controlled by money? How many of us, money is so powerful and controlling when we allow it? And for this man, and we know that he goes on to kill himself because he felt so bad, money controlled him. And that money voice was so loud in his head that he couldn't hear the voice of Jesus. Maybe money is not your thing. But I bet you this morning, every one of us, there's one thing that speaks louder sometimes than the voice of God. For Judas, it was money. And he couldn't hear. Jesus said, described in the beginning of the scripture, that he was consumed with darkness. Darkness means ignorance. Darkness in the Bible talks about ignorance. That's the opposite of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we hear Jesus, we're hearing truth. When we listen to Jesus, we're hearing the way. When we hear Jesus, we're seeing life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. Never, ever, ever. To choose to not follow after Jesus is saying that I'd rather be ignorant than follow the light. Judas chose this path. He chose to be ignorant because money was so important. This is the last supper. This is the last moment. This is a very special moment where Jesus spends with his boys. You know, as everybody arrived and the appetizers were being prepared and brought out, when you would come to the, this last supper and when you come to have, you know, a dinner, you start by washing your right hand. You didn't have to wash two hands, not till you got to the main course. But as the appetizers were brought out, you come in, you wash the right hand. I guess you only ate the appetizers with your right hand. And then you get to the main course, and this is when you would get your hands and you'd wash both hands really, really good. But as they're, the main course, as they're sitting there and everyone's enjoying the meal, th there's something that was missed. Now, Jesus brought up a bath. And how many of us enjoy baths, right? Cold day, long day at work, whatever, right? Some Epsom salt or bath bombs, whatever you all do. Jesus brings up a bath because when you're going out to a feast, back then they didn't have fancy showers like we did, right? They had baths. And so when you're going out to a feast, when you're going out to a celebration, you would take a bath. And as you took the bath, you get dressed, you go to the party. When you got to the party, there was only one part of your body dirty which would be your 
your feet. Now, when you get to a party, when you get to the birthday party, you get to whatever it is you're going to, the celebration, there would immediately be a servant there to wash your feet so that you could go in. And after your feet were clean, you were considered entirely clean. Your feet are cleaned, hands are washed, your body now is entirely clean. When they get to the party tonight, the Last Supper, there was no servant. There was no servant there. Now, having no servant, they all walk in. They all start the party. Everyone's probably looking around because they know their feet are dirty. This is something you do all the time, right? This is something that you did all the time. But you know what's interesting? No one took initiative. No one had the foresight or the desire to say, hey, there's no servant here. Maybe I should do the dirty work. Maybe I should do the dirty work. Jesus noticed that the disciples that none of them wanted to do the dirty work. He didn't mention it. You should wash your feet before the party begins. So that way you're considered clean and you can eat. But he did not because he wanted to make a point. And he's making a very loud, bright point to the disciples that he makes to us as well. Appetizers are served. The main course is served. This is one of the most undesirable tasks because how many of us in here would enjoy walking around and washing your all feet, right? Would you want to wash my feet? Probably not. Do I want to wash yours? No, right? This was, unfortunately at the time, this was the job of the servant. No one, no one wanted to do this. No one. It wasn't something, you weren't paid for it. You were told what to do and you had to do it. You were told, you need to clean. Jesus starts, and he starts washing their feet. And I love it, and we all love Mr. Peter, because Peter, he sees that Jesus, now he knows, this is the boss. And he's thinking to himself, and he knows, because all of them are thinking the same question. We're eating dinner, but we shouldn't be right now. We're dirty. My feet are dirty. I shouldn't even be touching food right now. And all of the men there, the 12 disciples, they're all thinking the same thing. We shouldn't even be partaking right now. We could be in big trouble for this. We are all dirty. And so they're all thinking the same thing. And, of course, who's the first one to say something? It's Peter. As Peter sees Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He takes off his robe. He's still partially clothed. He gets a towel, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And now Peter starts feeling, like, really dirty. Why would my boss have to do the job when I could have got it done? Why would my guy who walks on water have to be on his knees when it should have been me? And he knows what the other men are thinking. Sometimes, you know, we as people, we're afraid to speak up, and so there's usually one in the bunch who will speak up for us, right? That was Peter, good old Pete. And then like having a good old Peter inside of you, right? You <laughs> little side joke with Joel. But Peter was crazy. He was the first one to speak up. He was the first one. He would always say something. And so as Jesus gets to him, he says, no, Lord. Can you imagine telling God no? He told him, no. You're, you're not going to wash my feet. 
Peter was a humble man, but he also was a proud man. He was humble because he realized he screwed up. But he was also a proud man because what is he doing? He's dictating to God what God wanted to do. God wanted to wash his feet, and he's telling God no. And I think for a little bit, and for most of us, that's probably a little bit similar. We both have, all of us in here have a little humility, and we all have probably a little pride as well. We have humility because there's times when we recognize this is wrong, and I probably should change this. But yet, how many of us then, the pride kicks in, and it's, well, no, no, no. I don't need to change. I don't need to do this. I don't need to go here. I don't need to do this. I've done enough. I've been this. I've been that. And so Peter's dealing with humility, and he's dealing with pride because he's dictating to Jesus what's going on. And Jesus turns to him and he says, listen, you call me your teacher. I'm your instructor. I am the instructor that you've been following for three years. I have been instructing you. I have been teaching you. I have been giving you principles to live by. But you also call me Lord. Lord, meaning the one who occupies the supreme place in your life. You call me teacher, your instructor. You call me Lord because I'm the one who takes the supreme, the most important place in your life. You call me Lord. And he said, even though you call me teacher, even, call, even though you call me Lord, I now give you the example to follow. This wasn't just a feel-good moment, but it had to be powerful. It had to be amazing. I'm sure their, their stomachs are twisting and they're turning and they can't believe that they're watching Jesus get down on his hands and knees and wash their feet. It had to be, because I know that the food was good, the candles were beautiful, the lighting was perfect, the imagery, everything was there. This was the Last Supper. They know something's about to happen. Something big's going down. And Jesus is on his hands and knees. This was important. This was big. And Jesus said, I'm giving you now an example that I need to follow. You know, rabbis after this for years, they taught that we should, yes, wash one another's feet, that we should be humble in our service. But interestingly enough, most of the rabbis also felt that they should hold their social status. They got off track. Jesus said, is there a difference really between a master and a servant? He said, the master is the boss, right? Tells everybody what to do. And the servant just does it. And he goes, me, being like a master, have taught you that your title really honestly means nothing at all. He goes, I am your teacher and I'm your Lord. That's, that's a title. But it's not something that I cling to. This wasn't just a feel-good moment. And the point that Jesus was making from now on, this is the mission of your life. His time was to leave. It was time to go. The suitcases were packed. Everything was ready. And what was the very first thing that he wanted to say to his disciples? Your goal is to serve God, and your goal is to serve each other. Serve God, serve each other. Even when it means getting dirty even when it means doing the job that no one else wants to do. Luke chapter 22, verse 25, it says, Jesus told them, in this world, kings, great men, they lord it over their people, and yet they're called friends of the people. But among you will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, 
The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Does our service to people speak loud and clear about the God that we say who's in our heart? The way that we interact with people, the way that we treat other people, does the service, and I'm not talking about doing good deeds. Good deeds don't get you to heaven, right? Mr. Sam in the back had a question this morning. Does being nice mean that you're going to heaven? And the answer is absolutely not. Because a lot of us in here, we're nice because we feel like we have to, right? Most people in the world today, and where the conversation was, we act nice because we've learned, we've been trained to treat people nice because then we're going to get the response that we want. We're not being nice because we want to. We're being nice because we're trying to get something in return. Jesus said in the kingdom of heaven, it's different than the kingdom that, in the kingdom of heaven, it's different than the kingdom we've been brought up in. How many of us know that bosses are important? Absolutely. But if you're not the boss, are you just as important? Right? How many of us have been trained in churches? Pastors are the most important. Do you think in Jesus' eyes they are? Absolutely not. But yet how many people hold pastors up to this high, high, high level? The pastor's up here, everybody else isn't. Yes, I know that the stage builds this high thing. That's just because most pastors were short back in the day. That's why they build them tall, Right? Pastors are no different than the people sitting down in the seats. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my world, then you need to serve. If you want to be a great person, then you need to serve. But don't judge one another how they serve. You need to be faithful how he tells every one of us to serve. Because I serve differently than you serve, right? You serve differently than I serve. We all serve differently, but we shouldn't judge each other by how we serve. Paul says in Philippians, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others better than yourself. Don't look for your own interests. Take interest in others too. You need to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave, born as a human being when he appeared in human form, humbled himself in obedience, and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is the greatest thing in the entire world. Our God, Jesus, the man, this person, this story, everything that is written in this book. God, not clinging to who he is, God in himself. This is God willing to come here, to become a man so that he can teach us, so that he can love us, so that he can show us the way. And God even becoming a man so that he could die on the cross. Obedient to death. Humble. Graceful. Loving. And even willing to do some of the dirtiest work there is. Jesus played in the dirt. Jesus got down on his knees. Jesus served the unlovable. Jesus touched people that nobody else wanted to touch. He would spit on the ground and put that mud in people's eyes. Gross. But their eyes were open. 
Jesus would get down on the ground with people that none of us would want to be associated with. Jesus made sure that he served every single person that he came into contact with. And he, being God, was willing to get down on his hands and knees. What? The position of a servant? Position of a slave? What? Why? Second Chronicles 69 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts who are fully committed to him. Our service to men, to women, to one another, it shows where our hearts are. Do you want God to bless you more? You need to serve more. Do you want God to bless your life? Yes, it starts in so many different ways and fashions. It is, it is all over the board. But one of the number one things is who holds your heart. One of the number one things are really what is most important to you. It really shouldn't be doing good because doing good doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't even mean coming to church, though we want you to be here. The most important thing should be God is the God of my life. He has my heart, and I let nothing else in my heart but him. And Jesus said to the disciples, he says, I set for you now the example that I'm asking you to follow. You guys have heard and you know that when Jesus asked them originally to be his disciples, he's saying, you're going to take on and do everything that I do. When we become Christians, it's not the sinner's prayer. You don't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible do you find it. There's not in there. Saying a prayer isn't going to get you to heaven. Light bulb, it doesn't. But the day you decide, when Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, and they left their nets, and they said, I give up my job, my security, my money, my life to follow him, they got saved. And have we done that? Have you given up everything that is secure in your life? Have you given up the, the thought of money and life and future and hope and this and that to follow Jesus alone? When you decide to give up every single thing that's important to you in life, that is the moment you become saved. And so when he said to them, come follow me, they gave up their right as a human being and said, yes, I give up everything because now I choose to follow you. And what you say it goes. Now, we know with Peter, he still protested, protested along the way, right? Just like many of us, how many we still, you know, have some words for God once in a while when things don't go our way. But he decided to follow. And so he said, I will do whatever it is that you do, I'm going to do. Whatever Jesus does, what would Jesus do? Is that what we live by? Is that what we are here today to do? Every single thing that he lived and breathed and taught in the scriptures, that is what needs to be lived out here in the church. Jesus, in John chapter 13, as he's sharing this with the disciples, these were the 12 minus 1. These were the men who started the church. These were the men who started the church. And Jesus said, it starts by me serving you, and then you serve one another. I'm serving you, and now you serve one another. Follow my example. Follow after me. 1 Timothy 4.12, we love what that says. Don't let anyone think less of you because of who you are, whether you're your age, your status, whoever you are, if you're a boss, you're not a boss. 
Paul says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Focus on reading the scriptures, teaching the scriptures, encouraging believers and teaching them. Be an example in every single thing that you do, in the way that you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, in what you say. And so this morning I started with board games. Why did I start with board games? I start with board games because I feel like many of us in our world today, we never left the board. We're still playing the game. Why did COVID happen? Because I really think that God needed to stop the game. You see, it said in the beginning, God made us in his image. Many of us have decided that image didn't fit, okay? I'm 29 waist, and I can't get into a 25. doesn't fit me. God's style doesn't fit me. And so how many of us, we decided, I'm going to go with the image that I want. And how many of us have lived our lives doing every single thing that we want? How many of us as kids, when I get married, this is what it's going to look like? When I'm a dad, I'm a mom, this is what it's going to look like. And yet how many of us can take a step back and say, eh, I haven't been the best dad. I haven't been the best mom. But yet how many of us, we had the images in our head of all the things in life that we thought, we planned it out, we did this with this. And you know what? Even the image of church. Because you go back three years, pre-COVID, churches were set up, it was nice, it was easy, you come in, and as long as the music was good and decent, I'm happy. As long as the preaching is semi-short and gives me a tiny inspiration, I'm good. And then I get my donut and I exit and that's it. There was just an image. We became so comfortable with playing the game instead of being in the game. We become so comfortable. Why had God, why did he allow this pandemic globally to affect so many people? Because God needed to stop the game. He didn't say anywhere, just say a prayer and then live the rest of your life however you want. He said, follow after me. The rabbis back then, they taught this, wash each other's feet. But what did they continue to preach? Keep your social status. And that's where many of us, what we do, we take part of what God did and then we add our revelation or our flesh or our thoughts or our feelings to God's word. Is that what we're supposed to do? He said serve here. So what were you supposed to do? Serve here. God said do and take initiative to do whatever it takes. But is that what we do? You know, playing the game sometimes in church, we all can get to that point where we like to play the game. And we have this image of what church should be like. Church isn't built on talent. Church isn't built on the worship team. It's not really built. It was never meant to be built on the pastor. Church was meant to be built only on Jesus Christ and people who follow after him. Our talents should be just a reflector 
of what he's doing inside of us, but not built by no church and no building and no place should ever be built on talent. It needs to be solely built on Jesus Christ. And so I wonder, did God allow the pandemic to happen because he needed to break the image that we had in our brains? How many of us have images that are just false? We live by them, and they're just not right. We dress, we talk, we work, we even come to church with what we expect in our head. And I can tell you how I know this for a fact. Because the minute one person doesn't get what they want in church, what do they do? They leave. When the image, the expectation doesn't get met, what do people do? They just walk out. In marriages all over the world, when the expectation, when the image that was set up, when it doesn't get met, what do they do? They just walk out. Kids, the image of having the best parents in the world, like, you know, us in here, who we are the best parents in the world. But how many of us as kids, when we looked at our parents, we said, I ain't going to be like that. I'm not going to do this. And we started to change what? The image. There's an image in your head this morning. And the question is, are you playing the game or are you being in the game of life that Jesus Christ made for you? He doesn't want you to play anymore. He wants you to be. He doesn't need you to play. Because honestly... We're all good actors. Whether you want to admit it or not, we're all salespeople. Joel's one of the best I know. He'll sell you anything you want, anything you don't as well. He's slick. But you know what? Every one of you are a salesperson as well because I hear the way that you talk and I, w I hear the way I talk. And what are we doing? We're getting and selling our own way. We've learned that over time. We've conditioned ourselves and we're conditioning other people. I'm going to get my way one way or another. This is what I want. This is what I feel. And I'm going to make it happen. Because some of us this morning, we're still playing the game. What else does God have to do to get us to stop? What else does God have to do? This is now a season that needs to change. You know, churches all over this town, churches all over the world, they'll say the same thing. Some are growing, but most churches are declining. And you know why they're declining? Because they're hanging to the image of what church used to be. But you know what church used to be? It was the image in which man made. It wasn't the image that God made. The image that God made, he laid it out clearly. Don't just say a prayer. Follow me. In the trenches, in the dirt, in your pocketbook, in your heart, on the stage, off the stage, follow me everywhere I go. No matter how it hurts, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how scared you are. If we were to take a step back and think, how many of us have ever been scared in life? I'll never forget one time when, I don't remember what I was doing downstairs in the middle of the night, but my son comes up and he says, hands up. And I literally put my hands up because I didn't know who it was. And I was freaked out of my mind. My son Micah did an amazing job. But I literally put my hands up because I was freaked out like somebody was, you know, going to rob me behind me. And I'm scared. 
Hands up, don't shoot, right? Scared. Every one of us is scared of something. Every one of us is scared. And if we let what we're scared of dictate our life, we're not going to follow where he leads. Like Judas, it was money. And so for some of us, it is money. There's, there's fear. There's money. There's all kinds of things. The list can go on and on and on. But it really doesn't matter what board game you're playing this morning. Monopoly or Hemonopoly, you can buy at Walmart now. If you like poker. It doesn't really matter what your favorite game is. But what does matter this morning is that our church, that we make sure we focus on, that we're not just a glee club. We're not here just to show up and put on our, our happy face and pretend to be happy. God doesn't want us to pretend. Matthew 5.43 says, you've heard the law say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. He gives sunlight to both evil and good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Romans 12, 9, don't pretend to love other people. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight and honor each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. If men took very careful, precious moments, time, to pen the words of Jesus, Paul, Peter. What we read this morning, what we've read over the years, is it something that we just let go in one ear and out the other? Or is there somewhere in our life that God is saying, you're not following me here, but I need you to. Stop playing and acting. Theater's over. The theater's closed. You can turn it in, and now I need you to do it. The rubber meets the road. Because you know what? In our world, it's not only going to get, I don't want to say, never mind, I won't say that. But you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a pretty day. But the Bible does say when the end is near, it's not going to be so pretty. What else will it take for, for something to hit our head to say, you know what? I'm playing too much, and I got to get back in the game. I'm playing solitaire because it's only one, right? But God's saying, stop playing and start being what I made you to be. So we wrap up this morning. We started this thing, what would Jesus do? In our first week, we talked about Jesus would feed people. He would clothe people. He would give cold water to people who were thirsty. Jesus would visit people in prison. And in that day, remember, you had to be visited or you would die. Jesus, he said, my actions, they would separate me from other people. My actions and what I do. Last week was Mother's Day, but continuing, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do on Mother's Day? He turned water into wine. Water being a substance. Water being something that all of us, it says that we need water to live, Right? But water, we need water, 
but why did he turn water into wine? Because wine is a sign of blessing. And he wants every one of you in here to be blessed. He, yes, we need water to live, but he doesn't want you just to live. He doesn't want you just to breathe. But yes, continue reading. He doesn't want you just to live an everyday life where we go to work, we go here, we go there. He wants us to live a blessed life. But the blessed life from water into wine, it doesn't mean what we think it means because it's that image again. It means what the Bible says. And so today as we wrap up <clears throat> our third one, what would Jesus do? We see that Jesus would be the hardest example to follow. Because he would do things that most of us, if we admit it in here, we just don't want to do. Take initiative. Volunteer. Offer. Serve. Give. It does take every single one of us to give up every single thing that we have. I'm going to close with one more verse. Romans 12, 6 is this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encourage, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Every gift that we have, it was given to us by God. But it takes your gift along with my gift to do what God has put us here to do. Working together. And we can't work together if we're not willing to serve together. And if we're not willing even to serve in the first place. It takes initiative. It takes drive. It takes saying, you know what? No matter what needs to get done, I will do it. That's what God wants me to do. That's the example he set for me to follow. On my hands and knees, cleaning, scrubbing, whatever it takes, I'm here to serve. But it takes every one of our gifts to come together to make something beautiful. You all are beautiful and you all are amazing people. Every single one of you, God has still put you here for a reason and a purpose. And it's not just to play life, but it's to be the life and so other people can find real life. The greatest goal isn't us, but it's who we're bringing with us when we do go to heaven. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for just a beautiful Sunday morning. <clears throat> God, we thank you for your... God, again, your grace, which is so amazing, the amazing grace which covers us, which, God, you have forgiven us. God, you have cleansed us. You have healed us. And all we have to do, accept and choose to follow after you. God, thank you for the amazing grace which covers us every single day. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this story. God, we know that the, what you spoke and what you did in John chapter 13, that you were setting an example for us to follow every single day of our life. God, that you put in there what you did, what you were willing to do, the initiative that you took that nobody else wanted to take. That in your kingdom, it's not about being the boss, but it's really about who's serving. It's really not about the title. 
but it's about who's willing to do the dirty work, and that's what's important in your kingdom. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to be these kind of people. God, that you'd help us to be Bible people. God, that we wouldn't get stuck playing the game of life, that we wouldn't get stuck playing Monopoly or Hemonopoly. God, that we wouldn't get stuck playing a card game and just playing for fun and this and that. God, that you'd help us this morning to stop being stuck on so many different images of what life, we, how, it, how it should be and how it should go. God, but that you'd help us to get back to the one image that you set up, and that is the image just to follow your son, Jesus Christ and follow after him. God, help us to start somewhere. God, help us to do something. But the greatest thing that we do, God, help us to do something that leads people to you. In our service, in our love. With your eyes closed and heads bowed this morning. You know, it's so crazy how Apostle Paul penned it in Philippians chapter 2. So crazy, God himself, and all that he would do, and all that he would go through, just for you, and just for me. And it wasn't so that we could feel comfortable with the prayer. He went through, God went through what he did, so that you would make the choice to follow after him, just like the disciples did. They were the first ones. And so this morning, the question is, yeah, we've probably all said the prayer. But are we choosing to follow every single day after our Lord's teaching, after our teacher's principles? Are we following after what he laid out? That is the sign that I'm a believer, is that I'm following. Are you following in every part of your life? Is there anything like Judas this morning that has a loud voice in your head that's holding you back? Is there something you're scared of? There's something you're afraid of. God built you for greatness. God built us to be great. But we gotta continually let go. With your eyes closed this morning, if any of us are here this morning, we just need to have that moment to say, God, I haven't been following you. But I want to stop. I want to stop playing and stop acting. And I want to choose to follow you today. Just lift your eyes to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm choosing right now. I'm stop playing. I'm stopping the game. Jesus, and I'm going to follow after you. I'm laying down my nets. I'm laying down what's important to me. I'm laying down money. I'm laying down life. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow after you, Jesus, this morning. God, we love you. We praise you. God, we pray you to go forward before us this week and just do great things, God, in us and our kids and our families and around us. God, that, yes, you would heal. God, yes, you would set free. Yes, God, that you would save. God, that you would use us to feed, to clothe, to give water to people this week. That you would use us to serve somebody who needs to be served. Not for service sake, but serving so that people can see who our God is. We serve to show who our God is. Not for ourselves, but for who our God is. God, so use us this week to do great things for you and lead others to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning I hope you aren't hearing that I think board games or card games are wrong. Because I'd, I'd play a board game with you. I'd play a card game with you. And my goal would be to kick your butt.
But more than kicking your butt in a board game or a card game, how about let's serve together and do something great? How about we serve together and do something great for this valley? How about we move on from the image that man made what church used to be, and let's get back to the image that Jesus made us to be.